You're listening to Irish Radio Canada's Home and Abroad, and I know it's that time of year when you're planning travel. And I can only vouch from personal experience, but the sunny southeast is the sunny southeast. And uh, as we got the opportunity to spend uh, about nine months in the sunny southeast last year, in our time of the nine months, there were hardly nine wet days. Now, no one believes that about Ireland, but that's the way it was. So we had a great time. But we got into Waterford very rarely because there was the lockdown. I was hoping to get into the distillery in there. Didn't do it. We did Mount Congreve. We did a whole lot of other places. But there are some new features at the Waterford Museum where we have been previously. And Eamon McEnany is here with me. Eamon uh, is in very much day. Uh, he's out here in Canada at the moment on the Tourism Ireland promotional tour, uh, helping people to make a decision that this is where they want to go. Eamon, thank you very much, Austin. Um, de- delighted to, speak, to be speaking with you. So, um, as I said, we, we visited the museum previously, but since my previous visit, you guys have introduced, what is it, the ti- Museum of Time, is it? Yeah, that's, that's right. We, we have three museums. We have a Viking Museum in Regiment's Tower, a big old uh, stone fort, and then we have a, a, a a medieval museum which is built over a, a 13th century hall and, and then we have the Bishop's Palace which is a, an 18th century Bishop's Palace but we added uh, last year a new museum, a museum of time it's got the biggest collection in the world of Irish clocks and watches and, and finds collection I suppose to be honest until I, until I got involved with these two gentlemen from Dublin, David Bowles and Colman Corn, I hadn't a whole lot of knowledge about uh, Irish timepieces, and I didn't realise that we made them in Ireland as early as the 1680s, and we've got the earliest watch, the earliest clock, uh, uh, table clock, and the earliest long case clock, what we all call grandfather clocks in the world. We've also got a section of American clocks so, uh, as well, so uh, there's an international section, but the, the, main, the, the main focus is really on Irish clocks and watches we've got, and we've got them from all over the country. We've got an interactive there's uh, of 70 different watches from 70 different parts of Ireland. So they're from all over Ireland watches as well. Question is, uh, if they're from 70 different parts of Ireland, are they all at the same time? <laughs> well, well, I a, lot, a lot of the, the watchmakers, see a lot of watchmakers in the 18th century. And also it's, it's something I think that wasn't really well known in Ireland until we opened the museum that, the, that they had, you know, even any sort of a big town at all would have had its own watchmaker. And then, you know, in the 19th century, lots of them bought in watches. But in the 18th and early part of the 19th century, lots of big towns were making more watches, you know. And Dublin continued to make them right into the into the 19th uh, century. I have, a big, I, I have a big wall clock upstairs, Ganter, Dublin. Oh, yes, yeah, the famous yeah. makers. Yeah, yeah, they were very famous, yeah. Yeah, yeah. now it's, it's right twice a day at the moment. At six oh, o'clock. Is it? Yeah, but, I know, but I just need to wind it. Uh, that's, yeah. that's really odd, but it is one to wind up. But a beautiful piece. And yeah. um, I, you mentioned the two people from Dublin. I, did I get wind that they had an Athlone connection? Um, no, I, no, neither of these two men have. The two, the two men from Dublin, basically, they were both gentlemen collected, all their lives collected, um, uh, time pieces, either clocks, watches, or bracket clocks, long case clocks. And um, as neither of them have family, they decided that it'd be best to put them in a museum rather than to leave them to anybody. So mm-hmm. I was very fortunate that they chose Waterford. I think they saw the quality of the three museums we already had and that they 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 made a decision to put them in Waterford. And, and they were very generous also with their funding of the museums, which was great. 
But it's one of the most one of the most popular museums now in the city, which has kind of shocked a lot of people, to be honest with. It was a great interest in time. I suppose that the word time is the most common noun used noun in the English language, believe it or not. It's something that's quite interesting. We use right. time and so much, I suppose. Time and again. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Indeed. So getting round to time, when is the museum open? So it's open seven days a week. Uh, we, we opened it last June um, and um, we opened the Silver Museum last June as well. We had about a couple of weeks in between both. And, and they're open all, all year round seven days a week. And we do this one ticket that you can see the five museums in the city and you can do a walking tour of the historic quarter. You were in Waterford, so you know the historic quarter. It's got yeah. seven national monuments and got five museums now. And you can do a walking tour all for... 15 um, euros, which is probably about $20. It's yep. good value, I think, yeah. Very Isn't good value. And, and, and Eamon, you mentioned the Silver Museum, but I know the Copper Coast is uh, there between yourselves and uh, Dungarvan. Tell me about the Silver Museum. Well, silver was first introduced into Ireland, believe it or not, by the Vikings. And, and the Vikings got the, the silver from, from the Far East, from Baghdad, in fact, is where the coins, a lot of the coins come from. Um, we, we had a did a small excavation a few years ago outside of Waterford in an earlier an earlier settlement from about 850 of Vikings when we were building a motorway. And then we had to move the motorway because of the site, but we didn't excavate all of the site then because the cost would have been enormous. But we found, for example, uh, 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 Arabic coins, with, and there's no God but Allah on, on it. Uh, on the coin, and they they came from what, what we now call Baghdad, that area around uh, Iran and Iraq, from around there. So it's um, it's it they, they were trading Vikings, of course, trading down beyond Constantinople and into the Middle East, and bringing coins back. And of course, they were selling slaves and amber and furs, and they ended up the Vikings, of course, brought that silver to Ireland as well. And that's where you get silvers coming in. Then obviously, then in later centuries, it's coming from South America. But we have one of the biggest collections in the world of Irish silver and very, some really important pieces, you know, from very important individuals in Irish history. So it's a lovely connection with these people. It also provides a time stamp when you mention time with the other side of it, but it also provides a chronology insofar as when you look at a coin and if there's any kind of a date stamp and you oh, say sure. it's, it's telling you where trade was and going exactly, back to the Vikings. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting, the Arabic coin that we found we know it was made in 742, and by the time it got to, to Waterford, it was a hundred years later, about about 850, we reckon. It's you know it's from that level of the excavation at this place called Woodstone, which is just up river on the Greenway, the, right. the Waterford Greenway, you know the famous Greenway between Waterford and Ungarvan. Yeah, I cycled, um, I cycled that. You cycled that. Well, you would have passed the Viking site. It just looks like a field or two fields, two big fields, but. Um, when we build roads in Ireland, you, you have to survey every piece of land, regardless of whether they look like two ordinary farmers' fields. But when, when we um, did testing on them, it showed that there were elements of Viking material. There are lots of lead weights, which means they were weighing out silver and probably paying. You know, they would have been like war bands. The man would have it would be a leader of a group of men on a ship, and he'd then have to pay them out then for whatever they plundered, and of course. That's what the weights were used for, mm -hmm. uh, for trade and for dividing up the silver or whatever they plundered from the monasteries. So I know like, Waterford is, has the rivers coming into it, but how far up river do, do you know would trade have gone? Um, oh, God, um, right, up to, right up to Carrick and beyond. Sure, Carrick is just Carrick, meaning the rock on the shore, Carrick on shore. 
Um, that's as far as the ships could go because quite literally there's rocks on the shore up at that stage, the river shore that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, well, the rivers were the highways of the Vikings and that's mm-hmm. why all the Viking settlements are on rivers. Or they built what's called long forts or meaning ships in Gaelic ship ports. And right. uh, Woodstown, which was beside Waterford, was, was the earliest one. It's one of the earliest ones and we found a, a burial there, a Viking burial there, which is fascinating, of a, a Viking warrior with all his armour decommissioned and it's it's a practice that you're found in Dublin and other parts of Scandinavia so um that that's 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 it was a great site to find I understand you have a new museum coming on stream and I'm dying to see it that's right it's it's a a museum of the Irish wake uh there's these houses in again in the Viking Triangle just a few yards away from the medieval museum and the silver museum and the museum of time um, and when we started working on the houses, we discovered that there were quite old elements to them. In fact, uh, well, we, we knew a, a building that had been there. It was an old almshouse, looking a house built to look after the poor in 1460. We know the man who, who set it up because he left documents behind him, fortunately, and he left the wonderful vestments behind him. And uh, so we're, we're, we're restoring that house uh, and we're putting in there an exhibition on, on the Irish wake and traditions and customs. So you, you know, going way back to Newgrange, you know, yeah. four and a half, five thousand years ago, back to the Stone Age people and the customs and traditions they would have had and the superstitions. And that, of course, went right up, of course, to the American wake, as we know, and the, the famous Irish wake of the 19th and lived into the 20th century. And as you know, in Ireland, even a small funeral would be 150 people. And I suppose that's why for a lot of people, COVID was so devastating, you know, that mm-hmm. people couldn't go to funerals happens well you know more you know and it's quite upsetting for families at the time so we think it's nice maybe to do something about this now to celebrate life as well as death you know now you mentioned COVID there Eamon so everything is back open regular hours uh, the welcome mat is out they're all back open there's no testing in Dublin airport or anything like that you just walk straight through and it's it's all fine um very few people are wearing masks in Ireland. I mean, Ireland was one of the most compliant countries when it comes to um, to, to taking vaccines. I think 93, over 93% of the population have been vaccinated. And um, my wife was only telling me, I was on the phone to her earlier on there today, that she had her fourth vaccine today now. So people are really uh, embracing the vaccine in Ireland. And I think it's working. You know, mm-hmm. we're back to normal. There's nobody wearing masks in Ireland now. Mm-hmm. Well, our, our museums have been open since... Um, since May of last year, and we haven't right. closed in. Yeah. So, so, you, so you're on a trip promoting the museums. You've uh, been in Toronto, you're in Calgary. Where are you going to Vancouver? Yeah, we're, we're going to Vancouver tomorrow, and then the next day we're going to Victoria, then back to Waterford because we've organised a big international uh, watch festival in Waterford because of our museum. We're, we've invited nearly 20 um, independent watchmakers. Now, these are really high-end watchmakers, some of the most... Uh, talented men in the world um, there's, there's two of them actually from Ireland but the rest of them are from uh, the continent all, all over Europe and, uh, uh, and and further afield so uh, that's on next weekend so I have to be home for that and much and all as people have gone to digital and digital phones and digital watches and everything else the art and craft of the mechanical watch is something still that some real oh. craftspeople they get into it Oh, highly prized. Uh, uh, the, um, when, w- when we started this, the national radio station interviewed me, and then a week later, they, they were so intrigued that they interviewed a man called um, uh, uh, McGonagall. 
John and McGonagall, and, and he's one of the great watchmakers of Ireland. I mean, you could spend maybe a half million or a quarter of a million euros on a watch, which mm-hmm. would be a bit more dollars. I mean, they could take months and months. John and Stephen McGonagall, they're, they're from Athlone, and one of them works okay. in, in, uh, in Geneva, in Neuchatel, in, um, in Switzerland. He's a member of the academy, which you have to be invited to. But I mean, these are these men are just geniuses. The watches aren't just brilliant timepieces, but they're also beautifully designed. And and they're and the the designs of them are inspired by Ireland and places like Newgrange, which we spoke about. Eamon, if anyone wants to find out more, can you do you have the websites there at the yeah, tongue? Uh, www. Uh, com. And I know you're on Facebook and Twitter and all the other yeah, sources and, uh, yeah. and Instagram. You get some nice photographs there. And again, from personal experience, having been in the museum, I can only too, can't recommend it too strongly. And the area is fantastic. And Waterford itself, beautiful city. Um, lots to see do. And it is the sunny southeast. It is indeed. It is indeed, Austin. Yeah. Emma McEnany, it's been a real pleasure chatting with you and every success on the mission you're on with uh, Tourism Ireland. Great, Austin. Thanks. Thank you. And thank you to all your listeners. Thank you.